Hello and welcome to Yesterday in Travel. My name is Brian and as always, I'm joined by Kalina. Hey Kalina. Hi Brian. Today we are going to discuss the 1977 album Trans Europe Express by the German band Kraftwerk. We'll get into how that album embodied the idea of travel as a unifying force in a post-World War II Europe full of divisions, most notably in Germany itself. Kraftwerk's train reference hinted at a newly forming European identity, a multi-nation community, and the album itself was a reflection and product of this growing interconnectedness. Building off of these ideas, we'll discuss how travel can physically connect places and how it can also create a psychological bond between peoples. But first, as always, let's take a look at how travel is doing these days. Kalina? Yeah, so there's some good news and bad news in the world of travel. In bad news, uh, American and United Airlines have furloughed 32,000 employees. So that's not great. In some good news, Venice, which has this flooding, which happens um, often with their high tides, which is called Aqua Alta, and is a problem for tourists. It seems like they found somewhat of a solution. They've created this tide flooding barrier called Moses, and it's it worked. So that might be a great thing for Venice. Otherwise, though, tourism in Italy is not doing great. One interesting fact from the world of travel right now is that the number of people booking hotels within only two days of their stay has doubled from last year, which is insane. Seems kind of strange, but I guess it's because people don't know what to do with their travel plans. And by the numbers, TSI throughput is at 33% of last year and kayak flight searches are creeping up toward almost 50% of last year. So things are still pretty grim, but there are some, some dim sparkles of good news as well. Okay, so let's start by getting into Kraftwerk and their album, Trans Europe Express. Who was Kraftwerk and what was this album all about? Yeah, so Kraftwerk is a German band from Dusseldorf that was founded in 1970. It's a band that was made up of four guys, four kind of art hipster types, and they were into uh, a mixture of sort of an avant-garde and pop sound, and they had influences sort of from those two different strains. One of their big influences was a composer named Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, who uh, was a composer, but was really into experimental compositions and into kind of newer electronic classical compositions. They also were into Franz Schubert, who's an Austrian composer who's more well known in sort of the classical pantheon of composers. But they also really into the Beach Boys and James Brown. And so they they had kind of an eclectic taste and and liked a lot of American pop music. And that had a huge effect on their sound. So Trans Europe Express was their third album. It came out in 1977 and it had two themes. It was one theme was the idea of reality versus the sort of the image of things. Um, and they had a song called Europe Endless, uh, which talked about sort of the, the juxtaposition of Europe as a place with real life and postcard views and a mixture of elegance and decadence. And they also had a song called Showroom Dummies that was all about these mannequins that sat in the window of a store, but then they sort of came to life and 
had their own adventures. And then the second major theme on the album, which we're going to talk a lot more about today, is this idea of sort of a glorified Europe and, um, and like a unified Europe. So what was really unique about the album was that it was created using mostly electronic synthesizers and sequenced rhythms on custom-made equipment and wasn't currently commercially available at the time. So they were kind of into this world of electronics and making their own drum machines and synthesizers and then using those to create their music. So that kind of made the album this milestone of music technology because it looked and sounded very different from the pop music that was popular at that time. And ultimately, the, the album became popular in its own right, but it also became hugely influential to a lot of artists coming afterwards. It sort of spawned the electronic music movement, and it also ended up being sampled a lot by different pop acts later on. In 1982, the song Trans Europe Express from the album was sampled by Africa Bombada in a song called Planet Rock, which was hugely popular in the United States. So people would probably recognize it from that. But it was also sampled by people like De La Soul, Stereo Lab, New Order, Coldplay even, Miley Cyrus, Ciara, Busta Rhymes, the list goes on and on. But when we talk about the album, I guess it's important also to talk about what the album title referred to. So Kalina, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the actual Trans Europe Express? Yes. So this was a railway service that was established in 1954 by a combination of French, German, Swiss, Dutch, Italian, and Luxembourg railways. It was a luxury railway service that connected 130 European cities, um, and it would only go to like the big cities. So it would go like Paris, Brussels, Amsterdam, uh, routes like that without stopping in like smaller cities or towns along the way. What set them apart from other trains at the time was that there was no check at the frontier. So you could really easily go from these big cities back and forth. All immigration checks were carried out on the train as it was moving, which was very convenient. And they were very comfortable trains so that they were extremely popular among business travelers until the late 70s when um, business travelers started moving more towards airplanes. Mm-hmm. And can you hear the sirens behind me or is that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wait for those to pass, but, but they're gone now. The album is named for this railway service. And when they're designing it, they wanted to use some inspiration from trains. So the band actually went to train bridges and listened to the sound that the train was making. Um, and then they, they took it, they took that sound and like changed it. So it'd be easier mm-hmm. to like dance mm-hmm. to, but that was an inspiration for, for the album mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and I think on one track, they also used the sound of banging on the rails or I guess banging on metal Mm. to try to also add some sort of like sonic railroad to the to the track. Mm. Um, That's cool. Okay, so now that we've understand a little bit more about Kraftwerk and the album, let's get into why we we decided to talk about this album. Um, So what about the album made it so emblematic of this time in Germany in the 70s? Well, to understand its importance, I think we need to go back a little bit and talk about Germany and Europe in the 70s and to talk about how they got there after World War II, the 30 years in between. So if we go back to the 1950s, right after the war, Germany is divided into two, actually it's divided into multiple districts, but it's basically divided into west and east. So Kraftwerk, of course, will be operating from the west later on. But Germany is divided and western Germany starts moving closer to France. 
in order to like avoid war in the future, France and Germany create this uh, European coal and steel community, which the idea is it's a trade agreement that will tie them to each other and make it harder for them to go to war again. Because aside from World War II and World War I, Germany and France have been fighting for like centuries. Following that, West Germany also joins NATO. And then in 1957, West Germany joins the European Economic Community, the EEC, which is the beginning of the European Union. Gotcha. So Germany is moving towards the West and Kraftwerk is in Dusseldorf near the Western border. So then what about the 60s? In the 60s, um, things get a bit more intense in Germany because the, the Berlin Wall is constructed, which cuts off the East from the West. It makes it very hard for people, like impossible for people to go back and forth. This is really the beginning of the Cold War and Germany is like a main focus of that for East and West. John Kennedy, the US president, famously goes to Berlin and speaks. He says, ich bin ein Berliner, um, which did mean I am a Berliner. A lot of people think it means I'm a jelly donut, but the crowd understood. It, it does mean that, but the crowd understood what he meant. Mm -hmm. At the same time in Germany, just as in the US, there's this like protest counterculture movement forming and it has a lot of the same like themes as in the U.S. talking about feminism and sexual liberation and kind of a dismissal of like the old ways of the 50s and the 40s. But in Germany, the stakes for young people like feel even more intense than in the U.S. Um, there's a quote we found about about rock music and how it's it's inspired by this idea where like not only to rebel against the past, but to annihilate the past because the past in Germany for young people at the time is so horrendous, they're looking to just push off as far as they can from it and create something new. So lines of division are drawn more starkly, but West Germany is moving into the West or sort of the European fold. And meanwhile, young people are searching for identity since there is this mass repudiation of the country's Nazi past. Yes, exactly. So then what happens in the 70s? So in the 70s, Germany is in this period, and I'm going to try to pronounce this word, and I'm learning German, but it's very long, and I'm not sure that I can. It's a Vergangenheitsbeweitigung. You're shaking your head at me. No. <laughs> I would do it this way. Vergangenheitsbeweitigung. Good. I'm trying to think of how to say very good in German, but I don't know how to say that. My <laughs> German's not good. I've been around some Germans. Yeah, okay. So what was that? Um... So anyway, so this is a period, it, it means struggling to overcome the negatives of the past or working through the past. And that's one cool thing about German as a language is they just like make these enormous words. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I think Vergangen means past. Okay. Or maybe it means future. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, so they're working on that. Um, 1970s, it's still like a period of, of recognizing what had happened and trying to reconcile themselves with it. There's a famous moment where the German chancellor, Willy Brandt, kneels in Poland at the site of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. And this was very symbolic for a German leader to fall to his knees at this memorial. Dusseldorf, meanwhile, is becoming this like mecca for creatives. Um, people have described it as a melting pot of music, fashion, art, design, and advertising. So it's drawing a lot of people with, a, with creative senses. So Dusseldorf has an art school, which is near the Dutch airports, uh, which brings a lot of international traffic, models and drugs. And although 1970s was a period of economic downturn in much of Germany and the world, in Dusseldorf, it was felt less and people still were able to afford things they needed, including musical instruments if you were in a band. So West Germany, 
at this point now is clearly moving into the European fold, but on the ground for everyday Germans, how did they fit into this new and changing world? Yeah, many young Germans in the 70s who had been born right around the end of World War II were looking for a new cultural identity because when they looked to their own past, they didn't know where to look. There, there wasn't much of a past for them to look to. And actually one of the members of Kraftwerk said in an interview when he was asked about this, he said, classical music was of the 19th century, but in the 20th century, we had nothing. We had no father figures, no continuous tradition of entertainment. And so I think at this time, a lot of young people, instead of looking backwards to German music from the 30s or 40s, they were looking forward and looking to create kind of something new and looking towards the future and looking towards technology as a way to create something new and to take inspiration from the future as opposed to the past. So I think that's a really important point, too, because if you look at bands like the Beatles, they were so heavily influenced by music that had come before them in American blues and in British music as well. Like they really use that in their work and like Mm-hmm. That for craft mm-hmm. work, it was totally different. They wanted to invent something that had never been done before. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what made them so unique, their sound so unique, because, you know, when people heard them, they were they were hearing this sound that really seemed to come out of nowhere. It didn't feel like it related to anything in the past. And that was really novel and unique at the time. And going back to to the themes of the album, you can kind of you can kind of understand why these themes came up. Um, when you think about this, this idea of looking towards the future and not really having a cultural past to look to. So their idea of, of celebrating European identity and, and unified Europe um, was this idea that came out of them not being able to have a sort of national identity. And the TEE, the actual railroad, was this symbol of this new technology and this new form of transportation that was connecting people and making the world smaller and had was sort of this vision of, of a future that was peaceful and that was more based on European identity. One of the things that Ralph Hutter of the band also said was uh, that the album was sort of like a, a train moving across a continent that was rapidly becoming borderless and digital. So he was sort of thinking about these things. Um, and then the album itself, the lyrics are interesting and they're, you know, they're also singing in English, but they're German. So the li- that makes the lyrics also adds like a layer of kind of strangeness to the lyrics. But they say... Rendezvous on Champs-Élysées, leaving Paris in the morning with TEE. So they're trying to like paint this picture of bouncing through different places throughout Europe. They say, in Vienna, we sit in a late night cafe, straight connection, TEE. And then then at the end, they say, from station to station, back to Dusseldorf City, meet Iggy Pop and David Bowie, which is sort of like they're like name dropping there a little bit. But but thematically... It's all about kind of a smaller world and like the Trans Europe Express making this unified Europe possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that lyric. You could really kind of like feel, I don't know, that feeling of just like bouncing around cities and Mm -hmm. coming back home and seeing your, I guess, your friends, these famous musicians. It's cool. Yeah, but what I think is really important and cool about the album is that it's, it's endorsing and celebrating the idea of a European identity, which is big because 
before World War II, you know, Europe was fighting all the time, aside from World War One, that all these conflicts in the 19th century as well. But following the war, there was this new line of thinking about like, how can we stop this from happening? And the solution was to like move closer, like to be a unit, to be what, what today is like the EU. Yeah. This idea of like a united Europe is is becoming a thing at this point. Yeah. And this idea of being borderless and digital is such a modern concept that at the time was not the reality, but soon after in the 80s, you know, it was about it was almost a decade later that they actually created the the Schengen Agreement that was signed by the EU member states and that actually created the European Economic Community and that allowed for the abolishment of the border checks that created these barriers from country to country. And that was something that they were sort of thinking about on this album before, you know, long before it was put in place or was even being like talked about. So in terms of uh, the state of this vision that Kraftwerk had, this idea of a unified Europe, where does that vision stand today? In some ways, their vision is strong. And like you said, they were very forward looking in how the EU would develop in the next couple of decades. Today, there's 27 member states in the European Union, Germany, is reunified, it's leading in Europe. And in fact, the place where that where the Berlin Wall was, where the wall separating East and West was, is today a park where people can go and like birdwatch and take walks and be peaceful. So in many ways, the divisions that existed when this album came out have sort of faded into the background. However, in other ways, this vision of a, a borderless Europe and a world that's kind of losing its divisions is more under attack. There are politicians like President Trump who believe more in nationalism. Brexit, of course, happened. Well, it's still happening, but officially the vote was in 2016, which is nuts, <laughs> uh, so long ago. But they were the first state to leave, and that caused a lot of doubt among other EU members at the time. That doubt has sort of been minimized since, but it's the mixed bag. Like In some ways, yes. The vision is strong. In other ways, it's clear that there are some people who are still very, like, not on board. Yeah, but in, in spite of, of the fact that, you know, there are these maybe cracks in the, the, the unity of Europe, I think what's important to note about, you know, what they were getting at is this idea that travel and access to travel can act as a unifier. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I... I lived in France for a while and I went to Strasbourg and I got an Airbnb, I think for the first time. And I think this was in 2011, no, 2013. And I think Airbnb at that time was still kind of new. So I like, I tried to make sure that I had like a woman host and everything, but I got to my little apartment in Strasbourg and my host was not, it was like a man, like an older guy. And he was like the best. He was, he'd come to France from Iran and like, he made me like an Iranian like dinner. We had like a great talk about like France and Iran. He told me jokes about like other Middle Eastern countries. It was very cool. And like, you know, we came from very different backgrounds and like life experiences. But I think moments like that can really bring people together. Everyone's like into the same stuff, jokes and, and food. Yeah, yeah. I had a similar experience in Cuba. I think when I first went there, despite what, you know, what how the governments didn't get along, it was really super clear as soon as we got there that the people that we talked to and that we ran into were all really friendly to Americans and went out of their way to make it clear that they had no beef with the United States. Their beef was with the government and they were actually, you know, culturally we were we were very similar. And so that was sort of a, a revelation for us uh, during that trip. That's cool. I think was 
what's cool right now with the TEE is that even though it it um, faded out of existence, there's a push now to like bring it back. Interestingly, it, this is a push by Germany and all of the routes run through Germany, which isn't a surprise, I suppose. But the proposed routes would um, start around 2025. And this is a cool thing as well, because if you've traveled in Europe, each country right now has their own like train system. So you usually have to buy tickets like from each site, um, which can be a little tricky if you're planning to go to multiple countries at once. Yeah. And I guess I, I was speaking to a German friend of mine and, and and he mentioned that there is an interrail ticket where you can buy unlimited travel for a certain period of time. And that's sort of the closest it comes. But this really would be a change if they went back to something like the TEE, where you could actually just buy a ticket and go from one country to another or perhaps pass through any number of countries without having to get off, without having to deal with any of the border crossing logistics. So yeah, that would be cool. Although when I mentioned this to my German friend, he seemed a bit skeptical and a bit confused about why it was happening right now, given oh, just the way travel is. I mean, I, I guess there's an idea that maybe mm. people are flying less. And so this so there may be more train travel in the future. But my sense from him was that there's a concern that the economy is just not very good and it's not the time to pump billions of dollars into a massive multinational train system that went defunct in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's the perfect time to like create maybe. infrastructure and jobs and I don't know. Infrastructure week. Inf exactly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> could happen. Okay, let's wrap up. That's our show. Thank you again for listening. If you have feedback, please send it to us at yesterdayintravel.com. Please follow us on Instagram or Twitter at yesterdayintrav. Uh, we'll be posting about travel history every day and sharing links to episodes and related content from our shows. Yes, and watch your feed for our next episode, which should be coming out soon. And remember, if you like the podcast, please write a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a moment or just tell your friends about us. Thanks again, and we'll be back with more soon. Yesterday in Travel is sponsored by Via Hero, a platform that connects you to local travel experts who live where you're going. Their job is to provide expert advice and help arrange activities and logistics like lodging, guided tours, transportation, and restaurant reservations. They also share insider tips on hidden gems and activities that you might never find searching the web. When you hire a local, your money goes directly to them, and they help you plan a trip that is more fun, less expensive, and also directs your tourism dollars more evenly to the communities you visit, which helps to make your trip more sustainable. Plus, locals are the best way to help you navigate safely to avoid crowds and comply with rules so that you can have peace of mind and focus on enjoying your trip. Use the code YESTERDAY at checkout to get 10% off your next customized itinerary and guidebook created just for you by one of Via Hero's amazing locals in over 20 destinations across the world. Go to www.viahero.com to find more. That's www.viahero.com to start planning your next trip with the help of a local. And remember to use the code YESTERDAY at checkout, which gets you 10% off and lets them know we sent you.